Welcome back to the Tasting Room episode. Oh, shit, I did it again. Episode 17? 18. We're going to say 18. 16? I'm not editing this. 18? No, no, 17? 16. I know it's not 16. I'm going to look <laughs> as we talk. But this is a this is a fantastic episode because we have a 22-year-old firecracker phenom. Yeah. I mean, it Riley Flanagan of Riley's Rose. Been in the been in the wine industry since she was 4. Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah. yeah. Uh, episode 17, I was right. Episode 17, yep. right on. Yeah, but Riley, I mean, from California. 22 going on like 50 as far as experience. Yeah, right. from California, yeah. coming into Tulsa as a firecracker. Yep. Super cool conversation. Her grocery baskets look a lot different than Austin and I's. True, unless it's Lisa buying the groceries. That's why I said Austin and I. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very true. Uh, let's just get right to it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have Riley's interview on the other side of the break. Right on. Cheers. Hey, I'm John. I'm one of the partners here at Grassfire Creative. We are a production company. We do animation, video production, live production, anything you need to creatively tell both your story and your business's story. Along with the content that we create, we also provide the strategy behind how to get it in front of the eyeballs that matter to you. We're located right in the middle of the United States in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so no matter where you are, we're just a short flight away. Bottom line is we are very excited to both meet you and tell your business's story. Please do reach out to us one of the ways below via email or phone number and check out more about us at our website, grassfirecreative.com. Welcome back to the tasting room. Uh, this is going to be a fun conversation. Riley Flanagan in the house. How are you, Hello. dear? Hi. Doing good. Just hanging out. We just, just met and I already yeah. like you. <laughs> oh, that's a good start, I guess. Yeah. And you're not even drinking yet. So. No, no, not yet. And we're, we're going to drink. So this is going to be a wine and whiskey only podcast. Yeah. You were a little busy today, so we're anti-beer, but we have two wines. Also, I haven't drank a beer since college and wasn't planning on changing that Seriously. Anyway. Oh, oh yeah. wow. I hate beer. Sorry. Oh, no. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> no that offense. actually worked out perfectly. No offense. <laughs> it's bad. Well, right. it's not all bad. So tell me what. Tell me what you're pouring first. What, uh, what, what is this? I'm pouring my 2019 Sauvignon Blanc. And I actually was switching to 2020 as current vintage pretty soon. So this will be one of the last times that I talk about this wine after Philbrook Wine Experience next weekend. There you go. So I will say probably the initial reaction to hearing you say I'm pouring my wine is they're going to look at that camera right over there and say, you don't look Wait old enough to have your own winery, <laughs> your own labels. So walk us through the history of how you started down this whole thing. Yeah. it's funny because in 2019, I definitely wasn't old enough. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, so dad started in the wine industry in 1999. So who's dad? And, and who's dad? <laughs> my dad is Eric Flanagan. There we go. Right um, on. And I brought one of his wines as well, just so I had something to talk about him. Yeah, go. Uh, so we can make him watch it later. <laughs> and so he got started in 99. He fell in love with how different terroir affects different varietals and how wines can change year to year. Um, and really with the farming behind wine. And so then he and I planted his first vines in 2001 in Bennett Valley, which is on the kind of southern side of Sonoma County um, in California. 2004 was his first vintage. He called it Riley's Rose. Um, I have two sisters. I get asked this a lot. Um, no, he did not name the wine after that. That is all them. That is all I will say about them okay. um, and wine. 
they're awesome. But we made a barrel of cab uh, with a good friend of his, Philippe Melka, and his daughter, and kind of just kept going from there. I went back to preschool and told them all I was going to be a winemaker. Nobody believed me. Um, we flash forward to, gosh, I think I was in high school, and I'm rapidly realizing that dad is super stubborn. Absolutely brilliant, but completely stubborn and not going to change anything about what he does. So I started Riley's Rose as a way to do my own thing, um, really with the goal of sharing wine with people. Um, my first wine was in 2015. Doesn't really count. 16, I dabbled a little bit. 17 is really when I say I got started, partially because I was actually 18 at that point, and you have to be 18 to sell alcohol. There you go. And also yeah. Strategic decision. That's yeah. when I started making the Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. Which really kicked me off as a brand. Which shout out to Ryan Rex. He's probably really <laughs> jealous that he's not here because he's one of the partners. I don't think you've met yet, Austin, but he, uh, everywhere we go, his go-to drink, no matter where we are, is a glass of Sauvignon. Just no matter where, right no matter what time. Yeah, doesn't matter. I saw him drink a glass of Sauvignon Blanc at like 1 a.m. after a harvest party in Healdsburg yep. where we had been drinking wine. All night. He can never get enough soft monk. I was like, that is impressive. <laughs> but yours is really good. And he does he does like yours quite a bit. Yeah, great acidity, ruby red, grapefruit, Meyer, lemon. I'm doing this in about 40% neutral oak. So it's getting a lot more oxygen contact during fermentation. Um, and that, in practical terms, just means that it's a lot softer um, in kind of the middle of when you're drinking it. So you get those fruit notes right off the bat, that Meyer lemon, that's the acidity showing through. But definitely softens up and follows through. And that's mm. coming definitely from being in... Neutral oak, partially, and then still classic Savvy B due to that uh, 60% steel tank. Yeah. So not trying to change it too much. No. Just balance mm -hmm. it That's out. delicious. Yeah. It's got a beautiful minerality to it. Minerality. Minerality. Is that how we yeah. say it now? <laughs> minerality. 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 <laughs> draw it out. <laughs> Which is great for me because I'm, I, I, I love Kolsch, even though that you don't like beer, uh, you know, I'm not one to be found without a Kolsch in my hand, even, you know, this morning at 11 a.m. Sometimes it's, you know, it's what I you got to really do. I really almost started drinking this morning. And the only reason I didn't was because I knew I had to drive here. <laughs> like, I was this close. It was beautiful it's, it's out. that far from. I finished my hike. I went yeah. home. I'm like cooking. I'm like, ooh. Bottles. I'm like, we don't need the whole bottle for the podcast. <laughs> well, you know, we might. We'll That's see. We, we don't we'll have see. beer here, so that is, that is true. It yeah, is Tulsa right. time. So, okay, explain to me. Obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but I'm assuming you're growing your your vines in California, and so how in the world are you tied to Tulsa, and <laughs> why are you choosing to be here? Um. So I'm very, very lucky. And the only reason I'm able to do anything that I am doing right now with my wines is because my dad is A, an amazing boss, and B, an amazing dad, and C, great at picking vineyard sites. Mm. So he runs a vineyard investment fund. Um, they manage about 400 planted acres throughout Mendocino County, Sonoma County, and Lake County. I buy 90% of my fruit from him, um, mostly in Mendocino and Lake County, sometimes in Sonoma County when he gives me a deal. <laughs> Um, a little expensive, if not. Right. Yeah. And I, I like to keep my price points between 25 and 40 retail. Inflation adjusted. Dad sure. makes me say that part. I have no plans to change my prices, but we'll see. Um, you kind of have to make some hard decisions. Yeah. Like yeah. Things yeah. don't make sense. I'm too young for that. So we're not we're not looking at those yet. <laughs> um, I'm still learning how to be a grown up. So with that, it's really 
much easier for me because my dad is managing those sites. He's going out relatively often. And um, I'm back in California probably once every other month or so. Um, I like to be there checking in on my blendings. I'm always there for my final blendings. Um, I like to just check in and make sure that we're not doing anything drastic or deviating from what my style is. Um, and there is something to be said for going out into the vineyards and actually seeing where your fruit is coming from. And it will being, and that is one thing that I think I miss a lot about not living there anymore is you get a much better idea of the style of wine you're going to make year to year based off how the weather is that year. Luckily, I talk to dad on the phone every day and if it's raining or if it's hot, he, he tells me mm. purely through if he's going surfing or not. Um, <laughs> Yep. But sounds about right. For definitely, Eric. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Definitely in high school, it was different because I was there. I was at the winery. I was seeing, okay, we're getting a huge heat spike and it's August. That's definitely going to influence, say, how much cab there was in my red blend that year because it needed more backbone. It needed more structure because it was a much hotter, more restrained year. So not being there definitely um, has its pains. But dad lets me do that by helping me out and being there all the time. So what brings you to Tulsa? I have no idea. Okay. Um, we have a lot of family friends in Tulsa. Um, Dad has a founders club, which is 100 people total. And I think now 12 of them are in Tulsa. John is one of them. I am. All um, right. And his motto with that club is customers who became friends and friends who became customers. So I've stayed at these people's houses. Um, during quarantine, we would Zoom and hang out. I've become very, very close. I, honestly, I've been coming to Tulsa's house before I could drive a car. So uh, before my 16th birthday, so I must have been 15 or something. Yeah. TC and I yeah, were talking yeah. about this yesterday at Lowood, trying to figure out how old I was when I met everybody. Um, but I really have developed a lot of family here. Um, and that is in no small part thanks to Chris Dodge. May he rest in peace. Um, he, Dodger. He dragged dad and I out here pretty yeah. much like kicking and screaming, saying we had to come to Tulsa. And we did. And we loved it. Um, super affordable. I was able to be a part of the Tulsa remote program. That's what I was going to ask. Oh, that's yep. cool. Yep. Very centrally located. I've never dated a cowboy. I thought it would be a fun adventure. Um, <laughs> the more I get to know cowboys, the less I want to date them. But yeah. I still love Tulsa. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is funny. Um, I poured the the rye whiskey. We don't have to drink it yet. I was just going to let it sure. breathe. Um, do we want to go... Do we want to drink more white? Do we want to pour some of the red to talk about? Let's talk about that. Let's drink some more white. Some more white into yeah. the conversation. Absolutely. Um, so, what I'm curious about, and I've always thought this, and I don't think I've ever asked you or your dad this: when you think about like the future of your wine label and how it might change, where it might go, is that even a thought process? like where it might go? Cause aren't you kind of restricted to the kinds of wine you can make based on like what you were talking about climate and that sort of thing. So you can't really add a varietal necessarily that easily. Could you? Or I mean, I have, it's kind of sad 2020 as I'm releasing the 2020 whites now. Um, thank you. I'm sure. realizing it's the first year I didn't make a new wine. Uh, 2015, I made Chardonnay as my first wine. In 16, I also made a Cab and a Red Blend. 17, I introduced the Sauvignon Blanc. 18, the Rosé. 19, the Semillon and the Baby Platt Chardonnay, um, which was a vineyard designate. Mm. Um, and 20, there was nothing new. So how much of That's that is okay. how much of that is blending? So help a wine novice understand, like when you say all those different varietals, is it 
different grapes, blending of different grapes, growing of different vines? Like how, how do you describe that? So with my Chardonnay, I make a North Coast Chardonnay, which is a blend of different sites. Um, The baby plat is only from the plat vineyard. And that is a wine that I have no business making in all honesty. It is way above my pay grade and honestly should be way above what price point I'd be comfortable charging. Um, I charge $39 a bottle for that wine and it is by far the cheapest plat wine on the planet. The Platte Vineyard is arguably, and it depends on who you're arguing with, because some people think it's no question, dad included, um, the best Chardonnay and Pinot Noir Vineyard in the New World. It's two miles as the crow flies from the coast. It's above the marine layer. Um, It has this amazing temperature consistency that gives you incredible acidity. And also it was planted correctly on the right soils, the right Mm -hmm. rootstocks, the right um, slope facings, the right varietals for the site the first time around, which is relatively unheard of. Even dad in his first site planted pretty much all cab and realized, and then a little bit of Chardonnay, realized the Chardonnay was great, but the crop yields really didn't support the cost mm-hmm. of Chardonnay fruit, um, that the Syrah was amazing and definitely needed to be spotlighted. You don't know what you're doing unless you know what you're doing. And I think a lot of people go into the wine business with very romantic notions um, that it's going to be a hobby and that it's going to just... Um, be sitting on a vineyard and watching your grapes grow and enjoying them um, later on. Yeah. And uh, I think that's definitely not true. And I think that's why so many vineyards are misplanted the first time around. Um, You can't help it. Right. You just right. go with what your heart wants. And that's, mm-hmm. it's a business and it's a farming business Yeah. on top of that. So that plant vineyard was the prettiest. Like oh, when insane. we went out there to shoot videos and stuff, um, was that 2020? Was that 2020? 20. Or was it 21? I met you in February of 21 because we were out here for my apartment closing. Right. So then I'd been out there before that because you weren't there when Ryan and I went with Bryce. That doesn't make any sense that it was in February. It had to have been before that. Yeah. Maybe it was late in 2020 or something like that that we went out there. It might have been November of 2020 when I came out to look at apartments. Okay. But that was, that's one of the vineyards we went to and it's just... I'll try to put some some video up over this as we're talking since we shot it, so I have it. Um, I, it's unbelievable. I got, I got to go see it. Yeah. yeah you oh, do. you do. Yeah. The uh, maybe I'll bring you instead of Ryan to the harvest party this year. All right. <laughs> I just can, don't, I can, don't tell Ryan that. <laughs> I can accept that invitation. <laughs> I've, heard it's, I've heard it's a blast. I had a wedding last year in uh, Palisades, Colorado, so I couldn't make it. So Ryan went on my behalf. You really uh, missed out. We yeah, had fun. I know. I know. We went bar hopping after the founder's dinner. The founder's dinner is like five hours and like 10 wines. Um, So why not go bar hopping after that? (laughs) I literally was leading a team of 40 through 60 year olds down the streets of downtown Healdsburg. But that's exactly your personality. Yeah. I was like, come on, grownups. Like, let's go. We're going drinking. Um, It was mostly Tulsa people at that point, honestly. Does that mean Tulsa people know how to we go can, hard? We can hold our alcohol. We can go. Yeah. You guys like kill me. I, I There was no amount of training <laughs> that could have prepared me to move to Oklahoma. Dear God. Well, the funny thing is you said you were cooking earlier and being a California girl, like <laughs> what exactly were you cooking? <laughs> kale? Oh, it's bad. Kale chips? And- <laughs> so I went to Sprouts and the lady behind me today was like, honey, you're real healthy, aren't you? What'd you, like, what'd you have in your basket? I was, it was my, I have, this is the first time I've been grocery shopping in two months. I don't normally cook. And, um, I just got a stove actually for mm. the first time in a couple months. 
Um, my contractor's been yelling at me that I need a stove and I explained to him that I don't cook. And he said that we can't just leave a hole in the kitchen. Um, so it's fair. true. Fair. Stoves yeah. are really expensive and this yeah. is not my priority. Yeah. So it took a long time to save up for a stove. Um, but no, I bought today, <laughs> I bought broccoli, I brought eggplants, cilantro, green onion, cauliflower, rice, spinach, um, aloe vera chunks for smoothies, other random smoothie stuff, chia seeds, shrimp, and salmon, and nutritional yeast. Yeah, I was and that's seaweed. a healthy basket. That yeah. sounds awesome. And though. seaweed. Oh, and yeah. gluten-free, dairy-free ice cream sandwiches, which are actually amazing. I'll have to be the judge of that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I trust <laughs> that. Yeah. I had one sober today. It was still great. Okay, um, fair. But yeah, it was a very California meal. I had mushrooms too. I just chopped everything up, sauteed it, put some shrimp in it. And then took seaweed and like made little bites out of it. Hmm. Um, it was good. I was actually very impressed with myself. I didn't burn anything or set off a fire alarm. It's a new stove. Yeah, it's a record. Honestly, I've set off the fire alarm every time I've cooked um, since I moved to Tulsa. But I think this apartment has like I don't know, like a helpful ghost. I don't know. Okay, something right. about it's different. It's good to know. <laughs> yeah, your your new apartment's a little haunted. Right. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, okay, fair. I, I'm, I'm saging it before you move. Thank in. you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, so I'm selling my house close on Wednesday, and it just happened to work out perfectly. She got another condo and was renting out her first floor one that she's nice. been in. So I was like, hey, I need a place to go. And so, I need some nice. stuff fixed that yeah. I can't fix. There you go. There <laughs> it's, go. A, it's a good trade. So it, it worked out perfectly. That's it's awesome. definitely a little haunted. I promise. I already bought the sage to clear okay, it out. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. I appreciate that. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is it my question? Sure. Right on. Uh, so I don't know if you, if you have uh, one. Yeah. I don't know if you know our, uh, our uh, happenings here at, uh, at the tasting room. We usually ask six questions with like, 18 other small questions involved. Okay. Supposed uh, to be a six pack of questions, which turns into like a case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, just a smattering. <laughs> right, uh, right. But anyways, um, so moving from California to Tulsa, mm -hmm. right? That's a big deal, especially with the wine world and this, that, and the other. What do you find here in Tulsa that would uh, deem worthy of wine buyers and what what goes on within Tulsa because we actually have quite a bit of a wine culture here mm -hmm. explain Absolutely. that to between me. Phil Brook and vintage and yeah I mean, there's just all sorts of explain stuff. to yeah. me that uh, that kind of culture within Tulsa because I like wine but I'm not necessarily entrenched in that what what have you found within Tulsa that really makes uh, wine drinkers here at least enticing enough to move across the United States. Well, I think it's wild because it's not something that you would expect to have this little town in Oklahoma have this amazing food and wine scene. And I mean, for us to have almost 15% of our top membership living in this one city is insane. Um, especially because we're in like 27 different states. So that's wild. And I think it at its core comes down to a personality thing that I've never seen outside of Tulsa where people really care about what they do. Mm. And it's one of the reasons that I moved here is people put their heart and soul into it, like into their work or their hobbies or their families, whatever it may be. People in Tulsa don't half-ass things, which is awesome. Um, consequently, I, I could second that. the partying yeah. thing yeah, follows. Right. We don't half-ass that either. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's in part that, and I think 
from that comes an appreciation for anybody with a like-minded philosophy. Um, and in wine, you see that where this is that weird place between science and art where people are really putting what they love into it. I mean, you get people who operate wine brands solely as businesses and they mm -hmm. make a lot more money than I do. Sure. Um, but I think Tulsa is one of those funny towns where they can see that difference. And uh -huh. there is such a curiosity to see the world, whether it be through food or wine or traveling. I mean, you talk to people in the Tulsa airport or coming back from the Tulsa airport, the stories I've heard at fat guys, like just uh, sitting at the uh. bar waiting for my flight, <laughs> it's insane. And so you get incredibly cultured, interesting people who just want to learn and who don't have the idea that they're better than anything. It's one of those places where they just ask questions because they genuinely want to know. Um, I help run the wine list at Docs. And it's funny because we just put a Vino Verde on as our happy hour white. I'm there. And if you could, like, if five years ago you told me that I'd be running a, a list at a restaurant in Oklahoma and be able to put a Vino Verde as a mm. happy hour white and have it run and do just as well as a Chardonnay we were working with two weeks ago, I would never have believed you. Vino Verde is one of those wines that have really has really only come up in the last couple of years, even in California. So to be in Oklahoma and see yeah. it on the same like timeline is really cool. Mm -hmm. And to that have my really staff cool. excited about it. Um, of course, Darren letting me right. do that is awesome. So I think we just threw that in there. Explain what you're also doing for docs. Oh, uh, I spend too much time drinking with Darren <laughs> and somehow, and Darren has been friends with my dad. Darren, AKA Dave Matthews. <laughs> right. uh, since right again, on. since I was like 15, um, I think I met Darren right before dad and I went to buy my first car. Um, Cause they were all at the winery and Darren and I were drinking one night actually with a good friend of ours, Clay Yellow, And Darren was complaining about how the list is unorganized and he doesn't have good inventory and he doesn't know how to train staff. And Clay's like, Riley will help you. And I'm like, I don't know how to run a wine list. And they're like, well, you drink a lot of wine and <laughs> you sell a lot of wine and you do Fair staff enough. trainings all over the country. Um, and you've eaten in nice restaurants all over the country. And I was like, oh my God, maybe I do know how to run a wine list. Um, and as I started meeting with reps and going over our inventory and fixing the typos in the menu, I realized that um, it's a really fun way to kind of see what consumers in Oklahoma and in Tulsa specifically want. Mm. And also what's on the market, what we have shortages of. Um, I would never have seen the um, issues we're having with half bottles and Sancerre and other French wines. Um, so I think there's a, and we're having trouble getting New Zealand savvies. So California Sauvignon Blancs are definitely getting their chance to shine um, just due to the Which supply chain. Which is good chain. for business. Right, mm -hmm. that's great for me. And it <laughs> yeah. helps you know what to bring out yeah. and what to definitely um, focus on in my other markets. Mm -hmm. So it's been fun. Plus um, I get to work with all my friends. Pretty much all my friends work in restaurants. Yep. Um, so it's, it's been good. All right, we can try this okay. now. So I brought this bottle because the person who picked this bottle up for me is none other than John Kellerstrauss. Of course it is. He was in Atlanta for somebody's wedding. I don't remember if it was his niece. I think it was his niece. They were in Georgia for a wedding and he posted a picture and the bourbon group we're a part of. And it's a Sagamore Spirit Rye. It's a barrel pick from Local Vine in Atlanta, which we don't get Sagamore here in Oklahoma. So when I saw that, I was like, hey. So... Like, I, I see this, like, uh, let's grab me that bottle if you don't mind. And so I, I've been mowed him for it, obviously, but this is a six year. Um, I drank the neck pour of it, I think last week, just to let it air out a little bit. So I'm curious to see how it changed, but it's really smooth for being a rye and it wasn't as spicy as some of the ryes that I've had. It's still spicy. Previously. I mean, more so than a bourbon. Yeah, sure. it, it will yeah. be. 
See, I know nothing about whiskey except for I love it and it makes me hungover. It's the only <laughs> alcohol that makes me hungover. So this well, is actually a good that's test. When you, have, you have to like stop drinking it. Yes, but this is a good to test. To not get a hangover. Because we talked about hmm, this. That moderation thing. <laughs> we talked about this at Doc's once, mm -hmm. once, I think, where you said even a sip of bourbon makes you hungover. Oh, I'm going to be hungover tomorrow. I don't think you will because that's not like, you don't have to finish that. But It's like, delicious. It is very good, right? There's like a lot it's of not, rose character and strawberry. Yeah, it's that. not too hot on the back. But the problem is I can't find the proof. That's not a good sign. Barrel floor rack. I thought it had to tell you oh, the wow. proof. Yeah, they do. Right? But it's very smooth. It is very, very smooth. I scheduled a hot yeah. yoga class in the morning so that I can You'll be not over by the time I pick my sister up from the airport. Barrel location. <laughs> oh, oh, there wow. it is. 110 proof. <laughs> For 110 proof, ouch. that's very, very smooth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you say ouch. About, <laughs> about four seconds after you swallow your sip there's a lot of barrel barrel character mm -hmm. a it's lot it's like that char and the yeah, yeah. that spicy yeah. yeah wonderful vanilla that's really good though yeah so i like that quite a bit with um whiskeys and mm -hmm. bourbons are the this was probably a stupid question is it only american oak barrels and are they new barrels so or? to be bourbon it has to be new american oak barrels that's okay. like part of the unwritten rule. And I actually watched a video from, there's this, if you're ever curious, like there's this group called Bourbon Junkies on YouTube. It's Dan and Sean, two guys, but they did a thing today because there's some news that came out that because of, and I don't remember why, but something to do with the pandemic, there's now a shortage of proper American oak to make staves out of. So they're afraid that there's going to be a shortage in bourbon. It's probably because coming of down the line, probably yeah. employment shortages could be that too. Yeah. So to be technically like in the rules, whoever makes the rules for bourbon, it has to be new American oak barrels. I mean, you think about it. I mean, American oak has to start from the ground, mm -hmm. has to grow to I mean, a it tree. It takes a minute, right? I mean, it yeah. takes, you know, at least 50 years to grow that tree. And then you got to cut it down, turn it into staves, turn it into a barrel. Yeah. The, all of those points of contention of like, the logging to uh, the cooperage right. and whatnot. The whole thing's Man. just funny to me because part of the conversation too is like with beer, right? When there was a run on um, Russian River in Pliny, which we actually went to, I say we, you weren't there, but your dad was, mm -hmm. um, when Ryan and I went out uh, to Flanagan and we stopped by the main brewing facility at Russian River Brewing Company, which is just this immaculate thing to see. I mean, I it's, really it's go. unbelievable. Their new, their new place so it's wow yeah so that's the one we went to the the newest okay. one right in yep. windsor i think it was uh -huh. um the funny thing is so they had a uh, i'm gonna squirrel off on a story real quick so you know they had probably 12 to 14 beers on tap and usually when i go to a place like that and i know i like pliny i'm gonna right. ask what the bartender recommends and i'm gonna try that because i've had pliny and i will have one before i leave sure which is a double ipa pliny the elder it's like one of the most sought after highly rated beers in the world okay. probably um, at least ipas and so they each said like i asked the first bartender i was like what do you recommend he said the double dry hopped pliny the elder i was like okay oh, i hadn't special. heard of that i'll try that yeah. and then had it went back new bartender hey what do you recommend of anything on the board oh the double dry hop pliny the elder i was like okay, i'll take another <laughs> third guy went back he said the same thing i was like okay i was like hold on there's 14 beers up there what are the odds that all three of you would say the same thing and this was two or three weeks after they released Pliny the Younger and it sold out in like two Hours. minutes online. Yeah. yeah. And he said, well, if you, 
I'll tell you a secret. He was like, we didn't get to really drink Pliny the Younger this year. So on that tap right now, if you think of what a double dry hopped double IPA is, it's Pliny the Younger. I was like, oh, okay. And that's a beer you have to get. I know you're glazing over right now. I have no idea what that means. That's a beer you have to get at the brewery. Like it's a brewery only beer. I should know these things. My best friend in high school, his parents, actually we've been best friends since middle school, but his parents had a brewery. Mm. I told you this, I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, In Petaluma. And so he knew everything there was to know about beer and I knew everything there was to know about wine and neither of us could legally drink. Um, (laughs) But hypothetically, he didn't really like wine and I didn't really like beer. So it was always, there was no sharing. Right. Um, in our younger days. That's funny. So I'll wrap that up with the reason I went into that is it was said that like back when there was a run on Pliny the Elder, right? All Russian River had to do was brew more Pliny the Elder. It's pretty simple. And it takes what? A week? Oh, a little bit. Two weeks, three weeks, three, not six years, not six years, not 10 years for Eagle Rare. No, not 12 years for, you know, so like you can't just, you know, the price of bourbon and the popularity of bourbon has skyrocketed over the last two or three years, but we still haven't seen the catch up as far as inventory because of the amount of time it takes to age the bourbon. So it's just a weird thing. And now we're going to get, there's going to be a lot more bourbon coming out over the next couple of years, but then there's going to be another dip if there's actually an issue with the American oak and the barrels and all that stuff. So it's just a weird, it's a weird thing to watch. I don't know. And I mean, it's funny because I never heard anything about bourbon before moving, but mm. people like love, they, people talk about bourbon the way I talk about wine. Yeah. Um, I think it's the same with beers, but there are so many different parts that goes into it and there's so many different mm-hmm. styles, um, which is why I should probably not say that I hate all beer. I probably just haven't tried a beer that I liked yet. Um, we'll work on that. There's some good breweries here in Tulsa. But the last beer I had was probably a warm bush light in a frat house well, that basement. Doesn't count. Oh, uh, it was so probably the last beer I had. <laughs> drink warm piss. <laughs> <laughs> no one likes that. Yeah. If you did like that, Just, I'd be worried about your your taste. I like white claws. I know that gives you. White claws are solid. High that's noon a, is solid. I like that's okay. Yeah. That's a seltzer. So you yeah. know, we're getting closer. It's like when people say to me, like, oh, I like sweet wine. I'm like, that's a that's a thing. That's juice. It is. My soul might hurt, but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> so let me ask you, I'm I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say, I know that wine, like in and of itself, incorporates or like includes more women than I feel like beer would or, or bourbon would. And that might be an overstatement, but I'm just in generality. In general, for right? sure. But I don't know if owning a label or a winery, I don't know if you're playing in a boys club or not, but I'm going to assume that you kind of are. To an extent. And I wonder what you've come across in that regard. I'm Any lucky. pushback or anything? I'm at that place. I don't know how to say this. I'm at that lucky sweet spot in whenever you're equalizing anything. Mm-hmm. It's still helpful. Like you still get treated as a minority, but the grunt work has been done. Um, there are some amazing women in this industry. Um, and I think it's also very interesting to see the women who are doing a lot for young women in the wine industry who aren't even working in the wine industry. Mm. So whether that's customers that we have who support me because 
they love what I'm doing and they want me to have as much of a chance as anyone else who have parties with all of their girlfriends. One of our dear friends, Danielle McCracken, did a no boys allowed women only let's drink the wines and show her how we can show up Hmm. for one of our own kind of thing, which is amazing. Uh Um, I know that within the court of master Psalms um, and with doing the certified tests and the advanced, uh, there are a lot of things that are really iffy. Mm. Um, and it's something I definitely want to do. It's something I've been cautioned against doing by multiple Psalms who are female Psalms who are certified in their thirties. I think they had it much harder than I will have it, um, because they really are stepping out and take stepping away from being waitresses and hostesses and taking over wine programs. Um, it's one of those things where it's also, you go out and you drink after. And a lot of the best placements that I've made have been hanging out at a bar, talking with people. And so that's something you have to be able to hang. Um, and just, and this I think is something that's not often talked about, especially in the restaurant industry, you cannot take three months off. So if you mm. are a woman in wine and you wanna have kids, that's really, like a lot of planning. First of all, you can't drink for like nine and a half months. Don't get me started on that. Um, But then to have to not be there or not be able to be on your feet running around. I know when I'm doing market visits, I'm on my feet for 12 hours, 14 hours, driving around, seeing different spots, uh, talking with people, presenting in front of people, doing wine dinners, and then going out with a buyer after. That's not something I think that would be easy to go and then take care of kids or That's you true. would have to have a partner willing to stay at home um, and be on all the time. It's not hours that you can really work around. It's the best job on the planet because you get to make your own hours and you have a ton of fun and your job is to do all the things that people want to do when they get off work. But at the same time, it, it doesn't ever really end. Yeah. There's no time where you can just unplug your phone and have family time or anything like that. And I know there's been a lot of issues in past, I think most more specifically the generation before me in um, what can you do for me? Um, And with any boys club, I think there are definitely issues in that uh, young, beautiful women got a break and then were faced with costs that they did, that should no no one should have to pay and that they should not have been asked to pay. I have it easy. A lot of women have gone through a lot to set the scene, just even in any workforce of of equality. And also everybody knows my dad and everybody respects my dad. And everybody has my dad's cell phone number. So people are really, really nice to me. I see the best parts of everybody because they know that there is most likely someone watching who would just call my dad. Um, That's a good point. So I can't really speak on it. I know in little things, I travel alone 20 days a month. Um, And it's, it can be terrifying being in a brand new city, staying in a hotel, not knowing the area. I don't drink when I work, when I'm by myself, Um, which confused a lot of people at first and confused my dad at first. And I had to explain that I'm getting into Ubers and cabs by myself late at night Mm -hmm. on weekends in unknown cities and going back alone to a hotel. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to end up on First 48 or in a Liam Neeson movie. movie. And that in my day-to-day life has been the most difficult thing. 
that and people not taking me seriously, which I think is partially age and partially personality. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't take me seriously if I met me either. <laughs> but um, that's very self aware. I would say yeah, that yeah. I got yeah. it easy. I think so. I think so. Yeah. I have it easy. Yeah. So. Do you notice the same kind of thing if you ever speak to female? I don't know how many breweries are female owned. Probably not too many, but there are a handful of master brewers that are female. Oh, absolutely. Um, Do you hear stories of, or know anyone that kind of goes through similar things? 100%. Yeah. The brewing industry just went through a massive slaughter of uh, accusations and whatnot. Um, within oh, the that's last right. With like years. founders and all that yeah, stuff was uh -huh. a part of it. Yeah. Um, so we're cleaning up shop pretty well um, in our industry, which is really, really cool. There's a few different, well, one, I got to brag on cabin boys. We are actually a majority women owned brewery. That's did right. You, did you know that? I did know that. You're We're 62 and, awesome. and a half percent owned by women. That's awesome. Which is really, really cool. So I'm actually the minority at the company. That's cool. I love that. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool. Um, so my wife is a majority owner of the company. So she, uh, runs and operates, you know, our brewery and with myself, but, um, she would be one of the very, very few in the country mm -hmm. that is actually a majority owner of a brewery. So she runs into a lot of those barriers that you're talking about. Um, one of the cool things about the beer industry or whatnot right now, you know, back in the early two thousands, I think, uh, craft beer was drank by, you know, uh, women, let's call it 10% of the volume was drank by women. Mm. Now, 56% uh, of all volume of craft beer is drank by women. What? That's cool. So we have broken over the barrier. Um, and uh, I think in all convenience stores across the nation, I think it's 75% of the volume bought is by women. And is that only so, on craft beers or on beer in general? Craft beer. So maybe women just have better taste than men. That's what it sounds and so like. they're going, going yeah, for the craft beers while like. boys are drinking yeah. something. Yeah, exactly. Icky. So, well, and, and that's, that's such a really cool thing. I do think that women have a much more refined palate. Um, the convenience store uh, statistic is, uh, you know, of that uh, volume, they are buying for their husbands, but also at the same time, uh, we've, we now know that the majority of our volume is being drank by women. Mm. So it's a really cool ordeal for the craft beer industry and a major hurdle for us to, because our club has been such a right. huge a boys club, boys club, yeah. and not only a boys club, but like white males with beards. Well, it's funny. Like I'm going to leave Which here. I'm, I'm pointing at myself. Right. I mean, so. <laughs> You know, I can't reconstruct yeah. my body. Hey, that's I, most I, of my friends. Right. Like. Yeah. Um, so, do you want to pop open the daddy yeah. Flanagan uh, while we? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna because I'm curious. I'm gonna leave here and go to Roosevelt's because they're doing a Sierra Nevada tap takeover today. Oh, and sweet. they have like 18 beers. Whoa. on tap all really the way cool. back to like 2017, 2015, something like that. That's super cool. Um, so that's a that's a really cool company too. They're still yeah. family owned and I didn't know that. billion dollar. 
And that's a California company, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but where I was going with that is you're 100% right because I know, please don't cut yourself too. You know how bad I am with oil. I, I, I'm like, that's trying why, to do this yeah. so the camera can't see. <laughs> I really can't But oil. Hayden's going to switch to that camera so that we can see. <laughs> so see the red light? That means, I've been yeah. <laughs> uh, serving wine since I was like four years old and I still to this day cannot work a foil. It's embarrassing. Do you, do you want me to show you my secret? <laughs> you could try. So my secret, and I don't know if this is the correct way to do it. It's definitely is not just, the correct way. I just go up top it's completely incorrect. to open that's, up. That's the house I mean, way it's of cool. doing it. To open up the, the cork, and then you don't have to worry about the whole thing. I am both inept and completely snobby about it. <laughs> um, Which I know is probably not the, you know, the if you were going to pour it in like a psalm tasting or something like that, oh, you couldn't do it like test? that. Yeah. See, that was a lot easier though, right? True. Yeah. Um it's why my wines, though, have no foils, because I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. But at least you don't have a screw cap. I might. Are you going to do that? I see. I'm old school. Do people not well, turn their nose up at that? I get a lot of requests for screw tops. Okay. Um, I'm old school. I think it's romantic to have that pop of the bottle. I mm-hmm. love the sound. I love the corks. Um, I like the smell of corks. Dad thinks that it's funny when I say I'm old school, because then he asks me what new school is. Um, but... For me, I'm my goal with my brand is to be by the glass. Yep. And I would not know this unless I was helping in a restaurant. It's a pain to open a cork on a by the glass sure. wine, especially when you're going yep. through volume. Like it's so much easier and it's so much easier on bartenders and all my friends are bartenders. And so That's now fair. I feel badly for them that I'm making their lives harder. I, I saw a really funny, I think it was a reel or it was something on social media the other day. And it was this guy that was showing us like the right way, the proper way to drink a screw top wine. And so he unscrewed it. Did you see this? this. And then he (laughs) took the top of a smart water bottle of water, you know, that has a little blue nipple on the top and he screws on perfectly. Mm -hmm. And then you just go. And he said, this is the no only way, way I drink white wine or whatever. Um, <laughs> That's terrible. I know. Oh, but also so great bad. at the same I time. I sent it to my best Efficient. friend yeah. from high school because she and I, um, this is so trashy and so bad. So what did you just do, by the way, for anyone that saw that? Were you checking to see if it was corked? Yeah, I was just smelling the cork. What does it smell like if it is corked? Cardboard. Okay. Wet cardboard. Mm, cool. Um, now continue your story. Sorry. So, and this is so like, I think it's, it's funny because gorgeous. people talk to me. And like almost apologetically about wine, like, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't know more. Or if I'm on the road and they have to serve it in a plastic cup, they'll apologize to me. Mm. Um, Or if they don't have great wine and we're not drinking wine, they'll also apologize. I get a lot of apologies, which is hilarious. Um, And I am 22 years old. The amount of times I have drank my wine out of a plastic, like red Solo cup because I refuse to drink any of the bad wine that was there like that happens all the time. Put it in, take it as a roadie, all good. It was warm. I was drinking it out of a mug in a hot tub in Broken Bow in December. <laughs> I like it was still delicious. It's okay. Um, but a long time ago, and um, we'll talk about this in theory because, as I said, I'm only 22 and it was yep. long enough in ago. In theory, a long in time theory, ago. So, my- so. Just so you know, when when you grow up in the alcohol industry, it's just kind of an <laughs> it's an understood, right? Yeah. Understood that yeah. it it is a part of your life. I don't even know what my children are going to grow up as. It's a you know throwing mm. triclamps on. That's a good when right there. Like four. Yeah. I tried wine for the first time at four. Yeah, I graduated college. I did fine. 
I sometimes wonder how smart I could have been if I hadn't have killed all those brain cells. <laughs> but you know what? I'm happy you, with it. You, you're still growing brain cells. You never know. I wasn't Until pounding like right? 26. shots in yeah. parking lots just to get drunk when I was in high school because I yeah. could just go home and have amazing wine. Just um, so people understood what you just said, because I was talking at the same time, mm-hmm. you weren't pounding shots. Correct. Okay, I was yeah. not. Um, I want to make sure that got I'm over so the picky microphone. about alcohol. <laughs> it sucks. It's cost me a lot of money. Um, Get her some fireball, guys. Well, oh, I will drink fireball. That's bad. <laughs> um, so my best friend from high school, who is still one of my best friends to this day and who came out to visit um, in Tulsa, and we're trying to get her to move here. Um, she and I, the summers between like when we were both home from school, we I don't know how we came up with this tradition, and it's so bad. We would basically make sangria out of um, Stella Rosa peach wine because it's cheaper than margarita mix mm. and it's like 12% alcohol. It's like $8 and there's technically no added sugars. Although I don't believe that. That's such a California thing to worry about. So no like doubt. if you, you can mix it, you can take frozen fruits and <laughs> put it all together. Like, alcohol. Give me all the sugars. Yeah, right? okay. <laughs> You're like, you all just heard the 12%. Right. Like that's like We're 4% higher that. than that Jose yeah. Cuervo mix. Um, but it's cheaper. It's higher alcohol. It's less sugar. So you mix it up with some frozen fruit and, little tequila, a little triple sec, and it's yeah. delicious. Um, but at some point it would devolve into, we would just get tired of cocktail making and put a straw, like a swirly straw. They make straws that are long enough to go to the bottom of a wine bottle. Um, you can get them on Amazon. They're, yeah. All right. And nope. we were just no. sit, Note taken. Yeah. sit on her couch and drink the cheap wine, ice cold out of the bottle with straws. And so I sent her that thing. I was like, well, some people are innovating, no babe. Straws. Like, yeah. we've got to move forward here <laughs> with the times. And of course, you'd stand up after that and you're drunk because yeah. you sat oh, of and drank a bottle of wine like it was nothing. Yeah. We'll ask yeah. a couple more questions, then we'll let you go because I know you said you had was a nail appointment. Is that is that what you booked for for later? <laughs> Made it for five. Okay, be done on so, time. So we'll let you go. High we'll priority in my life. Austin, ask his last one, and then I'll ask the last one. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you you've grown up in the alcohol industry, in specifically, obviously, wine. And what what has kept you in it? Because that is a long time to be in this industry and it is not it is not easy i know from my own perspective of when people ask me like oh man this must be the most coolest job ever (laughs) and you know do you love coming to work every single day which i do i absolutely love my job and they're like do you get to drink in the morning and blah 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 and this that and the other but I would say 80% of the time, the shininess of the job has worn off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what personally has kept you in the wine industry and passionate up into this day? It's funny. And it's, it's always interesting talking to somebody who's also in industry because it is the most romantic job to have on the planet. I mean, I travel it around is. the country. I, I eat great foods. I like when I go home, I sit in vineyards and I eat. I talk about them and it's the most incredible thing. I once planned a first date and on that date I got to pull a barrel sample and then we had a picnic at the winery. Like there are amazing parts to being in this industry. That's a perk. That Uh, says enough about your personality that you planned the first date too. (laughs) It was a competition. Okay. Um, All right. You know him. I wanted to win. Oh, okay. Yeah. That first date? Yeah. That guy? Okay. (laughs) 
Um, John knows way too much about my life. <laughs> Larry's That's what uncle. happens when you drink wine at the Flanagan Winery. And Dad just, makes you make a show about my Larry's, life. So check out Larry's dead uncle on YouTube. You'll see Riley on <laughs> and my Larry, ex-boyfriend. Yes, and her ex-boyfriend <laughs> that she is referring to on Larry's dead uncle. Yeah. All right. It's a good thing I didn't tell Dad about that date during filming. True. True. Um, Sorry, I interrupted. Continue. I'm glad you're not. What you're I don't saying. know if it's the whiskey or the conversation. <laughs> um, no. So. Honestly, I I had an idea about it before I started full-time. COVID was a s- huge eye-opener because I was still doing school full-time, but was then also um, helping coordinate all of our Zoom tastings and working full-time with dad running his website. Um, being a small business, we both wear an insane amount of hats to the point where dad and I were talking about this earlier when I was hiking. Um, you feel like you didn't accomplish anything because you still have everything left to do. Mm-hmm. And even though you're working all day, you're doing it while there's no, okay, I'm off work. Now I'm going to go grocery shopping. It's like, oh, I don't have calls right now. I'm going to go grocery shopping right now or do the calls. So there's just this weird blend of you can do anything you want whenever you want, but you're always working. Um, I was watching a movie last night and got an email and I was like, pause. Oh, not important. Right. Play. Yeah. So you can't turn it off. No, like, you can't. Um, And there are those days when, like, I wake up and I'm like, what Hilton am I in? Like, Hilton Garden, like, what what state am I in? Um, Because you want to show up for these people. They are taking a chance, trying your wines, giving you their free time. Um, It's a luxury product. It's their free time and money that they get to choose. And so you want to have, you want them to have the best night. You want to show up for them. and Is so, that so she doesn't get a hangover? Uh, she wasn't going to drink it, so I figured <laughs> I've been we sipping, might as but well. I'm a lot slower than <laughs> yeah. y'all. Um, and so you give it your all. Um, and I mean, I would never want to do a dinner where someone could say, like, oh, you seemed off that night, or mm. like, are you okay, or are you tired? They like My customers deserve so much more than that, and they, they are the only reason I get to do what I do, that I get to work with my dad and make wine. And I've been dreaming of doing this since I was four years old. So I get super burned out. Um, and it's definitely something that I've been struggling with learning how to balance. Um, I'd say exercise is a big part of it. I try and hike every day and try and do a little bit of yoga at some point during every day, no matter what I'm doing. Um, Taking notes. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Also, I take a day off the day I get home. Um, and it's not fully off. I'm still on my phone, but I don't schedule any calls. Um, and I just spend time with my friends yesterday. We literally just went grocery shopping and watched criminal minds. Um, my best friend and I just had a day off and that completely recharged me. I also take a week off drinking every two months. Um, and I go cold Turkey. Like I don't drink anything for a week. And that egg reminds me what it's like to come home sober and how much work you can get done. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen to that. And it just rejuvenates me and it recenters me and it reminds me that I do have control over it, even though in this industry you feel like you have to drink with people to be fun, to show up. Um, people I feel look that. at you really weirdly yeah, if you 100%. pour them your wine and you don't drink it. They think that there's something wrong with it or something wrong with them. Um, and that's not something you can take on personally. Sometimes mm-hmm. that, that's a boundary that just has to be set. But at the end of the day, the reason that I think I have been able to keep doing it and hopefully will be able to keep doing it is because the people involved. Um, I always have my dad to call and he would never 
have me compromise myself for a sale or for a trip if I told him I needed to even regardless of the consequences if I said to him seriously I need to not do this he would figure out a way to support me in not doing something that was going to hurt me um like I said I'm super spoiled in this position because I have so much support um don't sell yourself so short because it's a lot of hard work. It is a lot of hard but work. Just yeah. the people who show up, who give you a chance, who show their friends. My favorite thing on the planet is when someone says, oh, my friend brought this in. Or I mean, that's the goal with my wines is someone shared it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that just makes it worth it. it. It just fills my soul. And so then it kind of makes all of those random like getting up at 3.30 in the morning to make sure you get to Hertz on time to return the rental car and make your connection kind of thing it makes it so worth yeah. it that and airport smoothies anytime there's a jamba juice in an airport i feel like it's all good today's gonna be good it's interesting yeah i'll back you up on your not drinking alcohol once every you know two months for a week or whatnot which month did you take off i i take off february february because it's the shortest month it's not because no. of that it's because uh it's because january has so many events and then uh, March, obviously, is St. Patty's yeah, Day and has a March. lot of a yeah. lot of events yeah. uh, in there. And so February, I take completely off every single year. And then I try to take at least uh, like three days off, at yeah. least every other week. Um, it's hard, but I try to know. do Sunday night through. Thursday happy hour. I try. Sundays are my day. See, I, I'll drink like a brunch, like a mimosa or a Bloody Mary or whatever. But for sure, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I try not to drink yep. every week. And I say try. Sometimes work, what you're referring to, like being in sales, business development, all that fun stuff. Like I don't want to take people to happy hour and drink a soda water. You know? Yeah. So it you kind of have to sometimes. But that's my yeah. goal every week. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask. I don't really ahead. drink liquor. Yeah. Um. I love tequila. Neither. I love whiskey. Um, I really, as a rule, as a rule, I say I don't drink liquor. Um, and then it's usually a bad side if I do, but uh, that helps to not have um, cocktails regularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask an end question, but I liked your last answer so much and we're getting close to your nail appointment. So I'm going <laughs> to. You're making me sound really shallow. No, but I've been like, waiting for this appointment for weeks. I don't want to make you late Very was important. my point. But one You're thing in we, sales too, John. Right. One thing we didn't say is which of your dad's wines did you pour? Oh, so I, and I actually brought this wine for a reason. Um, I poured his Sonoma County uh, Pinot. So it's a Sonoma Coast uh, blend. What dad does with his vineyard designates is he picks the best spots in Sonoma County to make wine from. And then when he makes a blend, he makes a blend of those vineyard designates to really show off what our area has to offer. And I mean, don't let him listen to this because I never want him to know I'm this nice to him. Okay. His back. But, Can you pour me some more? Uh, <laughs> it's absolutely incredible to me the amount of integrity he has when he makes his blends. He It's so easy to just pick the cheapest fruit in that region and charge that region's prices because it has that reputation. Uh-huh. But he's really doing everything he can to combat that. Um, and at his detriment, I think, I think he loses money because of it, but I'm just so proud of what this wine represents. Yeah. Uh, to take fruit from Richie Pinot, Platt Pinot, and Gapsu Vineyard, um, Gap's using the Petaluma Gap AVA. It's got that little orange blossom note. It's a really incredible site that gives you a really light but full, like it's light, but it's got texture and it's got body. Um, 
that wine is absolutely incredible. And then Richie is one of the oldest Pinot and Chard vineyards in the new world. Um, it's got that insane minerality. It's on volcanic mm-hmm. ash. It's really hard to get. And then, of course, we talked about the Platte Vineyard, which will elevate any wine that it's in. So to really take that and put it in a blend, that's kind of unheard of. Um, but for him, it's what he would want to drink. And like I said, he's stubborn mm. as a mule <laughs> and it's his name. I can attest to that. Yeah. yeah. And it's a yeah. great example for me, for him to say, it's my name. I'm not going to release a wine that I would not want to drink every night. Yeah. Um, and of course, I'm partial to the 18s because it was our last perfect year where mm. we didn't have fires or um, heat damage or yeah. smoke taint or anything. And so that's um, a whole other conversation. God, yeah, we'll have to come back. Yeah, to that. for sure. But the stubbornness, though, led him to be a good surfer. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> he wasn't going to fail. No, he was, and he he was never, going to figure it out. I can confidently say he is not going to fail at what he does. Right. Um, and I mean. There's been times where I definitely thought, I was like, there's no way he can do this. And he can do anything. Um, I don't know if he can make Larry's dead uncle famous. He's going to try. He's going to try. He got that sponsor all the way through. Remind me to show you the The uh, animated versions of him that we've drawn up. Oh, how exciting. Have you seen his Memoji? Because that's the most accurate Memoji I've ever seen. He sent me that (laughs) as like what we should base the cartoon off of. You'll have to meet my dad. Yeah, I want to. He's here for Phil Brook Wine Experience. Okay. Oh, well, that's another thing is Phil Brook. Oh, we should have him on the podcast next week. Yes, he's already talked about that. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, well, well there we go. Is maybe okay. listening on next week? Yeah. yeah. But uh, Phil Brook Wine Experience, we're super excited for. It's one of yep. our favorite events in the country. Um, I think Phil Brook Wine Experience and Nantucket Wine Experience are two of the most well-run events that we do. Um, all we, do- oh, sorry. Man, that that is such a Catalina wine mixer. That's what I was thinking of. What that's movie is that a, from? Such Step a Brothers? Completely different vibe. No, I, I think that's Step Brothers, right? Step Brothers. Yeah, the Catalina wine mixer. That's that's such a bold statement from someone in the wine world to for a wine event in Tulsa, which is middle America, mm-hmm. like almost. Have you seen our Oktoberfest? No, Tulsa goes hard. Have I seen our <laughs> Oktoberfest? I have. A, yeah, <laughs> I have Tulsa goes hard. Thousands of beers at Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. Like we I'm don't have ver- acid. I'm very aware, like, it, it's such a cool thing to talk about Tulsa and how, I don't know, how bought in we are into those kinds of things. Yep. It's wild. Like, I'm a very, very small brewery in retrospect to the world, and still the Oktoberfest that we throw here, The I was interviewed by four television uh, studios at the Oktoberfest personally, because they were like, so why do you pour beer here? What's special about this yeah. event? What What's going on? And nowhere else in yeah. the States are you going to get that kind of right. special attention. It's just such an interesting thing. It is. The first yeah. Philbrook I ever did was I was 18. It was my freshman year of college. And sorry to everybody who gave me wine um, and didn't know that I was actually 18. I thought, I think I've apologized to everyone I know in town. Um, but if I missed you, I'm sorry for drinking underage at your bar. Um, Noted. But it was, I was so impressed. And we had actually done Telluride Wine Festival um, earlier where wine had been missing. And it was just one of their first years. And it was, it was nothing compared to the well-oiled machine that Philbrook is. Mm-hmm. And yet Philbrook still seems small and personal. Um, I don't know how they do it, but it's absolutely incredible. It is my, I mean, I'm like, 
really looking forward to, I have four, four different outfits that I have to pick from. I've been planning like all month for Philbrook Wine Experience. <laughs> I'm very excited. I sound so shallow. No, it's okay. But, it's cute. Um, it's funny. You're planning your outfits. I love it's that. Really, it's <laughs> one of my like, favorite uh, events jeans. of the year. Right, right. Yeah. I think I might wear boots. Oh, I think I'm going to go right. full Okay. Cowgirl Let's go. hat. Let's go. Someone offered me a hat. I want a hat at the fair, but I'm embarrassed to wear it. I stayed on a mechanical bowl for way longer than they thought I would, so they gave me a free hat. You gotta wear it. Um, but it's go. like a fair hat. At least to the rusty docks pre-party. You gotta wear the hat. Yeah, I gotta go plan the menu for that too. That was you the, do. that's a goal for today. All right, we'll let you go. I usually let people say where they can either find their beer or whatever. Do you I mean you can you're go in so many different places, Riley's but where'd you recommend? Planningandlines.com, yeah. yep. Summit Club. Docs. I'll probably be at Docs if you want to come see me there. Um, uh, let's see other spots. Philbrook, you'll be Philbrook at. Philbrook, I'll be at. Yeah. We are just getting into Tulsa Hills now. There's another oh, wine shop that's um, near 91st. That I'm I trying to think of the ones near me. Are you in Ranch Acres or? You should get into Ranch Acres. We were. I don't know what their okay. inventory is now. Bird is near me on 15th. Like Bird, bird and Bottle? No, restaurant? Bird Liquors or no, Bird. Right. No, okay. Anyway, all over Tulsa. Yeah. Um, if you go on my website, you'll find my contact info. You can ask me. There you go. Well, right from on. Northern California to San Luis Obispo to Tulsa. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Anything else? You good? No. Just it's super cool to yeah. know that a lot of people that are coming from the outside into Tulsa are just as talented and fun to be around. And it's just really cool to see what Tulsa is attracting. Oh, absolutely. So well, really thanks cool. again for your time. And we'll thanks get you out of here in me. time to go to your next appointment. How's yeah. that? We'll be right back after the break. Cheers. That was Riley. Riley Flanagan, the one and only, wasn't. I mean, we described her right, didn't we? I yeah, mean, a twenty-two-year-old firecracker. It's just a lot of energy. Yeah, super, super cool to meet. So for me, that was the first time that I mm -hmm. met her. Just someone that you can really get to know immediately within the room. Yeah, absolutely, and you can see why she's successful too. Yeah, because she has that bubbly personality where she'll stand out in a room. She can command a room, but it's then true. she also is strong enough that she's not a pushover. Yeah. Right. So like, it's just weird combination. Perfect. Like it's one of those things where like fate or whatever, like she's doing exactly what she was put on this earth to do. Exactly. Yeah. But all, I mean, also at the same time, she's, you know, she, she's commanding, she demands the room and this, that, and the other, but also at the same time, she makes you feel very welcome. Yep. Yep. Uh, really, really cool conversation. Yeah. Got to learn a lot about wine. Absolutely. And we're going to learn more about wine next week. Her dad, Eric Flanagan, is in town. I'm going to figure out a way to get him on the podcast. We'll Let's go back to back Flanagan's. But he has a story, man. He was Wall Street hedge fund into wine and oh. has seen so many things. And uh, there's just a lot that we can pick his brain on. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, he's here for the Philbrook Wine Experience, which we talked about. But if you don't have your tickets yet, there's like 82 different events that you can go to. Yeah. So listen all the way to the end. She has a yeah. lot of really cool stuff to say about Tulsa. She really does. That was a lot of fun. Uh, good questions. Good questions. Yeah. It was, it was a good time. So we'll, uh, we'll be back next week with uh, the father of Riley, Eric Flanagan. How's about go. that? Right on. Fun. We'll see you guys next week. Cheers. Thank you.